Please pray with me. Our dear Father, we pray that you would give us humility to listen to your word. We pray that you'd give us wisdom to know how to apply it to our lives. And Father, please do give us dedication to obey what you say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, I caught up with a friend this week, a friend of mine called Isaac, and um, he's in the situation where his wife is trying to help him take better care of his body. I don't know if that's familiar to you. Uh, She said to him, she said, no to Cocoa Pops. No Cocoa Pops. They've tried, as a couple, they've tried the zero sugar diet before. And lately she's been discouraging him from eating fast food for lunch every day. But Isaac was telling me how the other day he was naughty and he bought KFC for lunch. And now he thought he'd hidden all the evidence from his wife. He'd chucked out the wrappers. He'd even made sure his breath smelt minty fresh when he got home. And he tried to clean out the car. You know what gave him away? His wife. His wife has such a a good sense of smell. She could smell the KFC in the car when she got in the next time. Busted. Now, here she is. She's trying to help him love his body, isn't she? And he's sneaking KFC. Loving your body. Do you love your body? Do you love your body? Now, I don't mean, do you love how it looks? I'm sure we'd all have things we'd love to change. I don't mean that type of love. I mean, do you look after it? Do you look after your your body? Do you want it to function at its best? Because I think at our best, we all do, right? In fact, our society seems obsessed with loving our bodies. Here in in the wealthy West, we seem to have money to burn on gym memberships and Pilates classes and so-called superfoods. And even though you might sometimes eat too much KFC, ideally you do want to do what is best for your body. My question today really is though, are we Christians as concerned for Christ's body as we are for our own physical bodies? Do we want to do what is best for this body, the church? And today in 1 Corinthians, we actually find out the best way to look after Christ's body. So we'll be looking at the second half of of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and then chapter 13 as well. So you'll need a Bible open in front of you. Uh, It'll be helpful for you to have um, an outline as well if you'd like to take notes. Before we get into the rest of chapter 12 first, let's recap what we've seen so far in in chapter 12. The, The question Paul is trying to answer in chapters 12 to 14 is this. What should we do in church? What should we do in church? And for the Corinthians, the specific fight was over speaking in tongues. They were asking, should we do it or should we ban it? But this fight was just a symptom of a deeper problem. They had a deep misunderstanding of what it meant to live together together as a church. And so to address this problem, Paul sets out four foundations for them to change their thinking. We saw the first two foundations last week in verses 1 to 11, and they were this. Foundation number one, 
True spirituality isn't about speaking in tongues or any other particular gift. It's about whether Jesus is your Lord. If you trust Jesus, then you have the Spirit. You're truly spiritual. That was foundation number one. And foundation number two, the Spirit gives every Christian jobs to do, acts of service and gifts, for the common good, so that everyone benefits, to help others trust Jesus. So that was last week, the first two foundations. This week, we're going to see foundations number three, three, and number four. Okay, so foundation number three is this. The church is a body, and a body works together. Paul compares the church to the human body over a number of verses here, and the first thing he points out about the human body is that it's one thing. A body is a unit Even though it has lots of different bits, eyes and ears and hands and feet, all doing different things, they are all part of one body. It's the same with Christ, says Paul. His body, the church, is a unit. And every member of this body has received the one Holy Spirit. Let's read together. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verses 12 and 13. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So they are one body. Simple. And Paul goes on with his picture of the human body. He says, there are many parts in the human body and they're all different from each other. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's how bodies work properly. No one part should say, oh, because I'm not like the others, I don't belong. If that part wasn't there, who would do its job? If I didn't have lungs, how would I breathe? If I didn't have a heart, what would pump blood through my body? Have a look at this this part of the picture in verses 14 to 20. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear... Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So no body part should think that it doesn't belong. But likewise, no body part can think that it's better than the others. No body part can say, I don't need you to the rest. The human body isn't just one precious part, but many precious parts. Even the parts that seem lesser are precious. You know, the parts of the body that are smaller, they're still precious. The parts that aren't as well known or honoured, they're still precious. The parts that we cover up out of modesty because it's not appropriate to display them, still precious. Uh, Have you ever broken your little toe? 
you ever broken your little toe? I don't know how many times I might have broken my little toe, but I've stubbed that guy pretty badly in the past. Let me tell you, the little toe seems so small and insignificant, but when he's out of action, you really miss him. You can't balance, you can't walk. Who, could, who would have thought that such a small body part would be so important? Every body part is precious. And what one part experiences, the whole experiences. When you stub your little toe, when you break it, your whole body feels it, the whole body. On the flip side, say if you go and get a, a massage to relieve the knots in your back, during that massage, your whole body rejoices. Right? What one part feels, the whole feels. The parts of the body are united, not divided. They're linked together for each other's sake. Let's keep reading from verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. So Paul has described the human body. Every part belongs and has a job to do. Every part is precious. And the body parts, they're united together for each other. But then Paul really drives the point home for the Corinthians. This is you, he says. You're supposed to be like this. Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. You can see it there in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So what are the implications for the Corinthians and their, their fight over tongues? Well, if they're all different parts of the, different body parts, and if they're all different and that's the way it's supposed to be, then they can't all be the part that speaks in tongues. The body needs to have many different parts. They can't chase one spiritual gift as if it's the most important thing. The point of gifts and works and acts of service is, is to help others trust Jesus. It's not to make you look or feel good. You have a precious part in the body. You have different acts of service and, and gifts to use. That's what the Corinthians need to understand. Now Paul lists some of the different ways God has equipped the Corinthian church. These are examples of, of different gifts and acts of service. But Paul's point is to, for them to not go chasing one of them. Don't go chasing tongues or anything else. The, the Corinthians, they're eager for spiritual gifts, but they're for selfish reasons. So Paul's message to them is, if you're so eager for gifts, then then chase after the ones that benefit other people. Those are the greatest ones. Have a look at verse 28 and through to verse 31. 
Verse 28. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have, diff- have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. But eagerly desire the greater gifts. So that's the third foundation. The church, it's a body of different parts, but they're all working together to help others trust Jesus. The church is a body. Uh, Poor Corinthians, hey? Poor Corinthians. They, They seem to just get it wrong so many times. They've got this wrong, using gifts selfishly. So they need to rethink their gifts right from the ground up. They need to be shown a whole new way to use their gifts. So next, Paul does just that. He gives them the fourth foundation that they need. This is the, the most excellent way to use their gifts. It's, it's so far above any other way. Foundation number four is love. Love. Love is the most excellent way to use spiritual gifts for the common good. In fact, it's more than just the best way. It's, it's the only way. See, even if you spoke every tongue in the universe, Paul says that if you did that without love, you'd essentially just be babbling. Blah, 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 blah. If you knew everything in the world, if, if you could prophesy endlessly, if you had amazing faith, even if you went to your death, if you did all those things without love, you'd be nothing. Those acts would be meaningless. That's how critical love is. You can do without tongues. You can't do without love. Look again at the end of chapter 12 and the start of chapter 13. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is the most excellent way. But let's just stop and think. What what is this love that Paul is talking about? Because we can get this wrong, I think. Is it is it a happy feeling? Is it a, a strong passion? Is it the romantic love you might find on the inside of a a greeting card or an episode of The Bachelor? Is that what love is? Is it being nice to other people? Being a pleasant person? Not quite. You see, what Paul is talking about here is a hard-working, nitty-gritty, selfless love. It's the same love that Jesus shows us. Jesus, love is, is Jesus patiently and kindly coming down to earth and living with us in our mess. 
Love is Jesus, even though he's God, looking to our interests, even to the point of death on the cross. And love is, is Jesus bearing up under rejection and mockery and abuse and nails on a cross without retaliating. That's love. This is not a cheap, tacky greeting card, bachelor love. This is full-on, hardcore, selfless love. And this is the type of love that each member of the body needs to show to all the others. So read, read verses 4 to 7 again with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. But that's not all. You see, love will last into eternity. You know what? Gifts, they won't last. They won't need to. God's spiritual gifts to us are great. They're here to help us trust Jesus. But we won't need them in heaven. We won't need them in heaven. Paul calls gifts um, childish. Not because they're silly or bad, but because they're only useful for a certain amount of time. Think about your childhood. Think, Think about the things that you had during childhood. It's like wearing a bib at breakfast or having training wheels on your bike. When you grow up, you shouldn't need those things anymore, hopefully. There are things that are childish that pass away when you're fully grown. Friends, in heaven, we will be fully grown. We won't need tongues and prophecy. But love will remain with us forever. So let's finish reading verses 8 to 13. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is eternal. We shall see God face to face. In the end, gifts are just not the most important thing. Love is the most important thing. It's just, love isn't just one among many gifts. It's not just another gift. Love is the, is the air that the body breathes. Love is the blood that's pumping through the body's veins. So with that, Paul finishes his four foundations. Four foundations, these four. 
Remember, first, true spirituality is trusting Jesus. Second, your gifts are to help other people to trust Jesus. Thirdly, you are a body working together to help each other trust Jesus. And fourthly, the most excellent way to do that is in love. See, Paul's trying to realign the Corinthian attitude to spiritual gifts. They need to know that they are part of the body and and that they can't all be the same part. They can't all chase after tongues. That's not the point. The point is love. That's the important thing. That's the way to work for the common good, to, to look after the body. Love is more important than the gifts. So how are we going with loving our body? How are you going loving your body? I'm not talking about your physical body, of course. Does your attitude to the body around you need to be realigned? Let's think about your part in the body. No matter who you are, you can't think that you don't belong. If you are a Christian, you are part of Christ's body. There is no way around it. And because every part is precious, you are precious. Because every part's vital, you are vital for the body. Let me give you an example. I want to talk to you about this and this and this. Okay? Now, in church, it's easy to elevate and admire the parts of the body that are highly visible, like the things we do behind a microphone every Sunday, preaching, playing music, reading the Bible. And sometimes it's easy to kind of look down a little bit on other parts of the body, like the parts that provide morning tea and the parts that look after the little kids in creche. It can be too easy to think, well, I don't preach or sing. I, I couldn't do those things. I just, I just do morning tea. I don't, I don't really matter. It's not like I belong in that category. Friends, that thinking's just not right, is it? Let's think for a minute about morning tea and crash. Morning tea provides a place where we can talk with one another, we can share our struggles with one another, we can spur each other on to stick with Jesus, we can pray for one another, we can meet new people, we can share Jesus, possibly with someone who's never really thought about Jesus before. Imagine if you weren't there to provide a a place where that could happen at morning tea. This act of service is a precious way to help others trust Jesus. Maybe not not as good for your physical body, but good for Christ's body. And looking after kids at creche. Serving in creche is a great way to love parents with young kids, to, to free them up to sit here in church uninterrupted and to hear God's word. And it's a great way to love our little members as well as we teach them about Jesus in songs and in stories. This act of service is a precious way to love Christ's body. Imagine 
Imagine if church was only what you saw up the front here behind a microphone between 10.40 and midday. Imagine if that was all church was. Imagine how much weaker the body would be. The The body is not all one part, is it? It needs your act of morning tea service and your acts of service in creation, everything else that you do, just as much as it needs my preaching. So there's no point comparing. Friends, we need to focus on the body and not on ourselves because that's love, isn't it? That's love. Now, that, that, that example, that, that's just comparing three formal roles here at church, roles that you can find on a roster somewhere. Maybe you're not on any roster here at church. You just come along each Sunday and, and, and join us in the morning. You, maybe you feel you don't have a formal role. But why worry about that? Look around you. Look at the body. It needs you with your mind and your heart and your hands. It needs you with all the experiences that God has given you. It needs you to play your part to help others trust Jesus. Look at the people in your pew. I'm serious. Go and do it. Do it now. Turn around, look at each other. Look at the people in your pew. God has given you to them. God has given you to them so that they can go home today trusting Jesus more than when they arrived. What can you do for them? What can you do to help them know and love and trust Jesus? There's no roster that can define that. Love is bigger than any roster. Love is more important than your gifts. Love is about your pew more than it's about you. I want that to stick in your brain this week. (laughs) But let's... Let's be real about love. You'll need patience. You'll need to swallow your pride. If you love others, you'll probably suffer. There'll be inconvenience. And not just that, at points you will have wrong done to you. Love will mean hard choices, won't it, as we serve the body. But are you willing to do that for the good of the body, for its health, to help others trust Jesus? Friends, love needs to be the air that we breathe. It needs to be the blood pumping through our veins. God, God's graciously provided our church with many people with, with gifts. We all have work to do, gifts of, acts of service to do. But let's not focus on ourselves as we do that. Love takes us out of the picture. It's not about me and my gifts or you and your gifts. It's about the people around you trusting Jesus more. So, what are you going to do next to love your body? Let's pray. Father, we praise you because you are a God of grace. You are a God who loves to give things freely. And you are a God of love. A God who looks to the other. Father, we thank you that you've looked to us and provided Jesus You've provided salvation and we thank you for that. 
We thank you that in Jesus you've called a group of people together to be Christ's body, the church. Father, we pray as we live together, we pray that you'd help us to live in love. Please help us to focus on others more than we do on ourselves. And we pray that as we do that, you would bring more people to trust Jesus, that you would build up Christians to trust Jesus even more, and that you would keep each of us going as we trust in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.